Welcome to the Ether. Today is Friday, October 21st, 2022. Today on the Ether, Cosmos Spaces, Agoric AMA with Dean Tribble, hosted by Lil Gaines. Let's take a listen. Hello, everybody. Hey, Dean, how are you? Good afternoon or morning, depending on your time zone. Yeah, yeah. No, it's afternoon for me. I'm on the East. <laughs> give, me a, give me a few minutes um, so we can... Fill up the room here a little bit. Your audio sounds great. How does my audio sound? I'm about to switch to my headset. Well, right now it's fine. Let's see if your headset breaks thing. Oh, <laughs> all right. Let's try this out. Let's see. Let's try this out. Okay, I'm connecting to my headset. Okay, okay. Testing one, two, three. Can you hear me? Oh, my mic was off. I was saying I hear you, but of course you weren't hearing me. <laughs> <laughs> How's my audio now, now that I switched to my headset? Is it better? It's good. Cool, cool. Yes, it's good. Okay. All right. Well, the room is slowly filling up, so let me just put some background music. Can you hear the music in the background? Mm-hmm, just barely. Okay, okay. I can't believe I'm literally talking to Dean right now. Dean, you're a freaking goat. You're a legend, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> your, uh, your presentation? I figure on Friday afternoon, I can't believe anyone's talking to Dean. <laughs> your presentation was awesome. Cosmoverse. Man, oh, cool. it was so so packed, wasn't it? There was a lot of people there. Yeah, that was, a, you know, that was a big conference. So I figured there were eight or nine hundred people in there. Dude, it was yeah, it was nuts. There was a lot of people there, and I, you know what? I don't care what they say. Um, you had the best mustache at Cosmoverse. I know Greg. I know Greg <laughs> one, dude, but I, I think you had the best mustache, dude. I don't. I don't know. That's just me. Yes, we. I was going around saying it was an honor just to be nominated. But so the thing is, so he has the he he cheats a little because he has the beard, as we discussed. Yeah. But he also he does wax the edges and does the twirl up, like you know, like the evil villain he is. I mean, wait, no, like, uh, <laughs> and so so you know, I think that God might have gotten him a few extra points. <laughs> oh man, does he really wax that thing? Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he waxes it, but he's got the he's got that you know the, the, the little the, curl, yeah, yeah twist, yeah. Hey, um, I invited the Agoric official Twitter page up here if they want to come up. No, they might say something. You don't want that. Oh, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> what I am going to do, though, right now is I'm going to go to the Agoric page and look for some tweets that I can pin to the top. Or you, you know how to do that, right, Dean? I have no idea. Okay. This is like all this newfangled social media technology, right? Yeah. Let, let me take care of this then really quick. So people... I'm used to telegraphs and, you know. That's true. That's true. All right, I'll take care of it. I just want to make sure people have, you know, some links to click on in case they want more information on Agoric. <clears throat> see a few, see a few updates here. You guys got a lot of updates, actually. You guys do. We're, we're in the process of launching stuff, so yeah. Yeah. You guys do a lot of spaces as well. 
We do our community call, uh, and ISD does community call for spaces. So, you know, a couple of months. Yeah, before we get started, let me just also um, give the community a quick update on what's happening with Cosmos Spaces. Um, so, one important update, our Atom Validator is struggling to maintain in the active set. We, we are active. Um, it's just like we're like very, very on the bottom of the set. Uh, we lost a big delegation to, to you won't believe this guys we lost a big delegation to luna classic dow validator <laughs> oh i know right i know i know but we'll get there we'll get there um what else what else is happening uh we have a space tomorrow with arcway and antoine is hosting that one in spanish so yay for antoine hosting that one in spanish i love seeing those espanol spaces and what else? What else? Next week. Next week is probably going to be a busy, busy week for spaces too. Um, we have another one of our cosmic community spaces. I know you guys love that. And Golden Ratio has to select a new guest for the cosmic community spaces. So I wonder who he's going to pick. I don't know yet. It's going to be a surprise. Bum, bum, bum. Yes. But okay. I think it's time to get started here. We got a few people in. Um, Dean Tribble is the CEO of Agoric, a proof-of-stake blockchain platform for the smart contracts on JavaScript that's onboarding developers into the fabric of Web3. Dean, you are what many consider a cyberpunk, right? An OG in the blockchain space. But uh, That's right. Yeah, dude, for real. Like, you're a goat. You're a legend. <laughs> but before we explore, um, you know, what Agoric is bringing to the ecosystem, can you take us back in time when... You started getting involved in the tech industry. Um, would love to just dive deep into that. <laughs> so that was a very long time ago. Um, uh, you know, I was doing, uh, you know, de SCSI device drivers on PDP 11s, if anyone remembers that back in the language fourth. So, um, uh, but I went up to, I came up to the Bay Area to primarily work in small talk at Xerox Park. That was really why I came to, to, to school up here. And, you know, did that, then did uh, uh, hypertext. And this was all, you know, before the internet, before the web. Um, but, you know, the burgeoning days, the beginning days of all of this stuff. And so, um, you know, late 80s is when cypherpunks kind of got going, um, real, you know, recognizing that crypto was a technology that could you know, as with many technologies, it could enhance freedom or reduce it. And we wanted to build stuff that helped it enhance freedom and, and enhance, enhance personal liberty and that sort of thing. And so just lots of people in the community building software, um, you know, either, either directly crypto related or just with this overall, overall idea of um, software can enhance what people are able to do with each other and can enhance our lives in a way that, 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 um, you know, that, 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 that we really want to have it in there. And this was, you know, this was, as I said, pre-internet, none of us could have predicted the details of what happened, but the basic idea of being able to connect with people and cooperate with strangers with software orchestrating and protecting us, um, you know, has been, has been a long running vision and idea and we're all still working on it. And how did it feel to be in that position at the time, um, being such an early adopter in the space? Like, what were what were you going through? <laughs> I mean, seriously, so, you guys were building the 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 future back in the day. Well, yeah. So, I mean, 
<laughs> Chris Hibbert, one of the engineers that I've worked with at multiple places, you know, his point of, you know, I, I'm very mission driven. A lot of people here are very mission driven. And if you don't think you're building the future, try building something else, right? You know, I mean, the, 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 what is it? The best way to predict the future is to build it. So, you know, I strongly advocate to the extent people can that they really, you know, get into something where they can, you know, it doesn't have to solve every problem, but, but, but if you're working on something where the output, the outcome matters, you know, that's, that's just, a, that, that to me is a powerful motivating force. So, um, mm -hmm. but one of the things when I reflect back, you know, you know, we were at the beginning of the internet, but there were people before us at the beginning of, you know, the packet switch connected networks that did in fact connect the world at the time. And that too was an amazing phase. So there's always this next advance that will change the future. And, you know, and blockchain is the, in, is, and, and web three is that next wave. Now, computers at the time, you really could wrap your head around all of it for the most part, right? You know, you could you could be working in hardware device drivers and operating systems and hypertext and programming language and compilers and and you know graphics systems. You could do that. I mean, you could really be a full stack developer that had sunk really sunk your teeth into all the pieces that anyone had built. You know, now it's much much bigger than that in terms of all the areas that that, that we have to participate in. But you know, you could, I can understand consensus algorithms, but I know that I'm not the right person to design one any more than, you know, yes, I was a cypherpunk, but that was secure systems engineering. New crypto algorithms, yeah, that you really want someone who's really good at that. And so there are definitely areas of expertise. You can be oriented, you can understand how these pieces fit together from a systems point of view, but man, you also need specialists with really deep knowledge in particular areas. So how did you kind of like transition from um, systems and securities to like uh, the blockchain space? <laughs> so, so I've been doing, you know, so um, key background for us, you know, we talk about blockchain, but my focus is in some sense more on smart contracts and smart contracts really predate blockchain. Um, and so, you know, I worked on the first production one in 1989, um, worked on lots of businesses that were actually smart contract businesses where it's software that is running to enforce the terms of a contract-like arrangement between the third parties of that software. And so, you know, eBay, PayPal, Venmo, all those are software running at a trusted intermediary, but mostly it's just orchestrating the cooperation among strangers. And so we did a lot of that, me and others in different organizations and companies did a lot of technology of that form. And it really helped to drive ideas for how to do networking, ideas for how to do internet commerce, ideas for how to do a lot of those kinds of things. And so, you know, and and we built up a lot of security architecture and approaches and ideas and so forth. So blockchain then kind of happened and it, you know, adds this high integrity execution layer that if you could run smart contracts there, you could get rid of these trusted intermediaries. So, you know, Bitcoin is software that is running to enforce the terms of a contract-like arrangement between total strangers, where it's built directly into the substrate of consensus so that multiple machines are agreeing on what happened, so I didn't need to have a trusted intermediary in the, intermediary in the middle. And then, you know, Ethereum came along to run arbitrary third-party smart contracts, but it was the same kind of thing, you know, replicated execution, agreeing on the outcome of software that's enforcing the turn, you know. So 
that was interesting, but I was busy doing, you know, another mainstream fintech application. Uh, in this case, it was electronic checks that got acquired, you know, startup company got acquired, all that sort of thing. And um, when, you know, 2017 happened with multiple you know, smart contracts written by security experts that then would have a bug and they'd lose $30 million and then they'd fix the bug. And so they'd lose another $30 million, right? And it's one of those things where, you know, there's clearly promise here, but it's going wrong, right? There's problems. Right? And so a few people, Zuko is, you know, one of, one of the main people here, but uh, Jorge uh, Lopez from Gravity and, you know, new... Mark Miller, my, 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 my chief scientist, knew me, knew the tech that we built at a lot of different organizations and organized through a group called Foresight Institute, which is, you know, studies, uh, you know, uh, um, the impact of future technology and help, you know, to help people decide to prioritize what they build to make a, for a, you know, better, um, for a better future. And they organized this panel of, hey, there's these people who've been thinking about it a long time and have a different approach for how you organize computation and how you secure it. And there's these people who are doing blockchain. Um, you guys should talk and see if there's something, you know, something there to bring their ideas of how to do smart contracts outside of blockchain onto blockchain and really come up with something better. And so it ended up with a panel. Um, this was back in 2017, late 2017, that had uh, Brian Warner, who is, uh, you know, our engineer here, who was on the security review uh, group at least authority for Ethereum before it launched, and he identified reentrancy as oh perhaps being a problem. Right, um, Zuko uh, Wilcox of Zcash, Arthur Brightman of Tezos, as said Jorge Lopez of Gravity, and Mark Miller then of Google, um, and you know working on driving into JavaScript sort of these key elements necessary for doing smart contracts in JavaScript, and they had a panel and they talked about our approach to security and, you know, object-oriented security and our approach to how to do smart contracts and, you know, how you could do it in, you know, how you could take this idea and move it onto blockchain and leverage the replicated execution of blockchain and all that sort of thing. And the answer, um, you know, well, two things. First off, coincidentally, this happened exactly as Tezos was doing their ICO. So Arthur Brightman was on this panel talking about this security architecture that we'd been, you know, uh, uh, various overlapping groups had chatted about for a while. And, um, and you know, from the beginning of the end of him talking, you know, their, their ICO went up by like $20 million or something. So that was pretty fun. Um, but that certainly underscored the fact that there was value here that was worth protecting. Um, and the outcome of the panel was, this is a really good idea. This looks like it's worth doing. This looks like it would change the nature of the problem in a way that really could make people a lot safer. Um, and that was kind of the the, the nucleus of, of starting the Agoric you know, Agoric uh, 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 systems project here to roll out the Agoric blockchain was use this stuff that we had built, use this stuff that we had designed over the course of, of um, uh, I'll say years, um, uh, and and bring it to bring it to you know combine it with blockchain to to get the best of both worlds, and you know and we're you know all uh, you know assuming uh, no last minute uh, uh, issues arise that will. You know, the first version of that will be launching next week. So My it's a really Dude. exciting time. <laughs> Dude, you took me into like uh, a time a time machine because I I wasn't born in 1989. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> so you were doing things already that were 
literally building the future of uh, our technology that we have today. Um, wow. 1989. Mm-hmm. Since 1989, mm-hmm. man. I'm just blown away right now, bro. Are you a JavaScript programmer? Do you program? No, no, no. Okay. I was just, yeah, I was just going to tell you that too. Like I'm not a programmer, but I do do like to do a little bit of research. Uh-huh. Um, and one thing that I was going to ask you while you were, you know, uh, going through all this, uh, like what was the, what was the, um, the most favorable, like program programming language? Back in the day? <laughs> Is it still, was it still JavaScript? Well, okay. So, um, in 2013, um, there is a particular paper, um, distributed electronic rights in JavaScript. And there was another paper on, on, you know, there was, these were presented at financial cryptography, but Prior to that, you know, so so Mark Miller and I had worked together at Xerox Park, and then at Xanadu, and then we started a, a, com- a prior company called Agorix, and you know, then he went off to Electric Communities, and I did Jewel, and you know, so we've had these threads of building programming languages for doing large-scale distributed systems, and um, uh, uh, and there's a dimension in which you know, like the E programming language was a language that Brendan Eich, who created JavaScript. You know, after JavaScript was already out, he learned about E, he got excited about it. Um, that ended up in the Elang site, which when they were designing Cosmos, Zucky stumbled upon and found the solution for how they did, you know, large-scale distributed commerce and led to IBC and stuff like that. And so this paper in 2015 kind of laid out how you would program smart contracts in JavaScript and gave it in distributed JavaScript. And it was a JavaScript that had some parts nailed down in certain ways to be able to safely run random arbitrary uh, code from third parties. And so that identified what did you need in JavaScript in order to be able to harden it so you could run other people's code safely. Now we were already, we had already built multiple programming languages, you know, from from Secure Scheme at at, at Autodesk to um, uh, Vulkan Project at Xerox Park to my Jewel programming language, which was massively concurrent, and then into E, which was a much more friendly programmable language that was explicitly designed in you know the early '90s uh, or late '90s to do uh, to support smart contracts. But the problem is they were wonderful languages. They were very useful. They were very powerful, and they had very small audiences. And the thing that JavaScript had was, of course, a very large audience, but but a substantial number of issues, but it turned out the core of it had the right elements of architecture. So in that paper in 2015, you could tell what needed to happen to JavaScript in order to have it be something you could build smart contracts in. And, you know, so is the best language the one that is wonderful and programmable and a hundred people love, or one that is pretty good, has all the key required features, and 17 million people can program it. And the answer, if you're trying to actually change the world and enable lots of developers to solve all their local problems um, using the best tools and most available tools on the planet, then you want the one that is good enough and has 17 million developers. And so is JavaScript the best language for it? Absolutely. Is it my favorite language? Not a chance. <laughs> well, well, what is your favorite language? Let's, yeah, let's. Oh, you know, that's one of those things where, okay, actually, having said that, at this point, JavaScript is my favorite language because I can do anything in it in any place I need to, right? The the hardened JavaScript. So these these features that were driven into JavaScript, let me say a little more about that, because this was, this was, you know, 
I mean, and, and Brendan, you know, the creator of JavaScript, he knew this as well, right? Which is JavaScript needed to be hardened in order to be able to have all of these applications rely on it. And so lots and lots of features have gone into JavaScript in order to harden it to get to the point where we are today. And it was explicit. He knew the E language. He knew that that was the mission was to kind of get the features that we now understand from this lovely example language that a few people program in. You know, he, Mark Miller, Doug Crockford, Chip Morningstar, a few others that had been involved in some of this creation knew that's what he needed to go in. Alan Worsrock, myself, right? And so they got into the JavaScript language incrementally, you know, not directly the features, but they were directly inspired by it. So all async programming that happens now in JavaScript, or most of it, and then in C Sharp and in Rust, uses promises. Promises come from E, which comes from Joule, which comes from Xanadu in 1988, which comes from our work at Xerox Park uh, in the earlier 80s for how to do asynchronous messaging and asynchronous coordination. And that was a key feature to enable loosely coupled components to talk to each other asynchronously, which we knew was a key element of having a secure large scale internet ecosystem. Similarly, promises, so promises proxies, um, the global object, harden and freeze, all of these were, you know, we knew how they would play together in order to make a secure environment. And come 2018, just after we had that panel, we realized that all the pieces were there and we could do the hardened JavaScript. So we could lock down JavaScript. So lock down JavaScript, you know, it looks an awful lot like it's a pretty clean, really extensible OO programming language um, that, 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 that you can quite rely on. And so it became, you know, the, uh, another group started JavaScript for embedded systems. I mean, you know, um, uh, what is Atwood's law, which if there's anything that can be programmed, it will be programmed in JavaScript, right? Well, now you can program light bulbs and and washing machines in JavaScript. And they took as their standard, not the general sloppy mode JavaScript, but the hardened, the, the hardened version of it with, you know, what does it mean to be an array locked down to be well-defined by the standard as the thing you would embed into light bulbs, right? And so hardened JavaScript is in, you know, uh, things like Salesforce and brokerage terminals and stuff like that. It's, it is the, 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 the particular, uh, uh, specification of JavaScript for embedded systems. It is, you know, elements of it are being picked up and used for Node, and and the 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 uh, module system implementation for it is is driving to be the standard for JavaScript generally. Obviously, it's what we're using for for smart contracts. So at this point, hardened JavaScript is is the thing. <laughs> I can do anything I want, anything I want with that in any place I want. So so that's pretty hard to beat for a programming language. So can you give us like a, an example? some smart contract applications that are I, I think the most the one that's most understandable people is like ebay right clearly mm -hmm. there's a trusted intermediary there quote trusted which is ebay but you know of ten thousand purchases that someone will do where i'm going to place a bid and there are other total strangers all bidding to buy this item from a total stranger and you know, and there's automated bidding agents, and they're you know that are responding to price signals and looking at other options there, and and getting my bid into the last minute, and blah blah, you know, all, and then automatically deciding shipping and the payment transfers when the right thing happens, and the tracking number is delivered to the right person, and all that happens without human intervention, except a buyer and a seller that do not work for eBay 
interacting with the system that orchestrates something that previously would have involved bills of lading and customer, you know, and all sorts of contracts and all this sort of thing. And instead, they just clicked a few mouse buttons and suddenly something that I never would have been able to purchase 30 years ago shows up on my doorstep, right? That's a smart contract. Software that's orchestrating something that would otherwise have to have been a contract between essentially total strangers. Now, yes, one in 10,000 might escalate to where there's dispute resolution, but that means that, that you know, whatever it is, 9,999 9, interactions and purchases happened entirely automatically with infrastructure in the middle that just made it all work. And it transferred ownership and rights and responsibilities and, and engaged multiple services for completion of, of this action, right? So, you know, millions of people, maybe billions at this point, do that all the time. And it's only possible because of this architecture that we, that, that, that we know to be a smart contract kind of architecture. So that's a, that's a really common one. You know, high frequency trading, Uber, Lyft, you know, all of those, you're not, you're not negotiating with the driver. You're talking to the system, arranging something, and a total stranger shows up, and you get into this total stranger's car and get dropped off at a location, and it's astonishingly safe, right? And it's something that 20 years ago, you could not have imagined someone describing that to you that you would do that, right? And it's possible because there's software in the middle that's managing the assurances and the and the feedback and the you know all these kinds of things i i know that um i know that you've uh talked about javascript and java <laughs> before can can you just uh clear that up so people don't get confused on what what the difference absolutely are between the two? obviously there's the historical stuff where the, java was a language out of out of out of sun and javascript was a scripting thing out of out of Netscape, where they licensed the trademark just so they could, you know, just for marketing reasons. And there's no relation between the languages um, other than curly braces. Now, it happens that you know Java and JavaScript are more related than than Solidity and JavaScript, where some people call you know Solidity the JavaScript of Web three, which is ridiculous, right? But the key thing is Java is really for you know at this point enterprise applications and data center stuff and IT, you know, large-scale OO systems with databases of objects and stuff like that, it's like C-sharp or, uh, you know, C++ was before it. It's a strongly typed language for building, lar doing large-scale system engineering. Um, JavaScript is a scripting language, you know, for doing, you know, at, originally for doing quickie things that were going to run in the browser. Now, of course, with Node.js, you can do plenty of large-scale server-side applications and in the front end, trillions of dollars literally every day are managed by applications written in JavaScript, but it's a scripting language. It's an, it's an interpreted language. It runs entirely differently. It doesn't have the same kind of type system as, as Java does. So it's really sort of, I won't say it's an accident of history, but it's a, it's a, it's a um, now regarded as a marketing faux pas of history that they happen to have overlapping names, but they are otherwise entirely unrelated to each other. And the key reason why I will occasionally really stop people from making that naming mistake is because JavaScript is, or sorry, Java is very enterprise data systems heavy and focused. And JavaScript is millions of developers, you know, doing quickie projects or rolling up new websites and applications in a couple of days and sort of this fast moving component environment with people sharing things, you know, and, and building on each other's work and all that sort of thing. And it's just a whole different, you know, a whole different world. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for breaking that down for me. Like I said, I'm not a developer, so all this information is helping me understand. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I want to say yeah. many so applications are built by people who said they weren't a developer and then they read a book and cobbled some stuff together and shipped something and, you know, and suddenly they had an application on their hands. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I get it. Totally get it. I've talked to a lot of people that are developers and they're like, dude, I literally just uh, started YouTubing on how to code and that's how I learned. <laughs> yep. Like Zach is one of the, one of those examples down below. He's a, he's a developer. There was some uh, George, someone who... George. Yeah. There was someone who who made a Twitter comment some time ago about how, you know, I just learned Solidity and now I need to see my therapist, to which my response was, you know, your therapist probably knows JavaScript. Right? You know? and, and I'm just imagining, I just want to have heard that conversation with the therapist going, yeah, yeah, I know JavaScript. <laughs> so so where, where did the uh, enforcement of smart contracts come from um, without validators? Because I'm just so used to like, uh, when I read about smart contracts, it's always like, oh, yeah, you know, the blockchain handles it, the validators handle all that. So how does that work? Okay. So um, uh, so the thing that validators do, so and sort of the gold standard of blockchain is, you know, at a high level, multiple machines controlled by independent parties in multiple jurisdictions. So multiple machines, multiple organizations, multiple jurisdictions all voting or coming to consensus on data. So Dean has a hundred bucks in his account. What, a hundred quatlus in his account. Choices, Dean made a bid in an auction and then withdrew it. But at the same time, the auction closed and Dean would have been the high bidder. Only one of those can happen, right? And, and you know, I said it in one place that I was withdrawing my bid and someone else closed the auction in another place. And now they have to agree on what happened in order for the system to have faithfully implemented something that allows us to cooperate. And so the choice, the ordering of Dean withdrew his bid versus the auction closed, you can only have it one way. Either I've got the money or I've got the winning result and, 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 and someone else got paid. You can't have it both ways. So that's choices. And that turns out to be hard to do choices. I mean, it's easy to do choices when I've got a single machine and it just decides and that's the answer. And that's the centralized solution answer that predates blockchain. The depth of technology that blockchain brings to the table is making it so that you can get choices out of the agreement of multiple different machines. And what that means is because it's machines in different jurisdictions and different and different controlled by different parties, now no one human organization or government can compromise the integrity of execution, can cause it to make a different choice by backdooring or cheating, right? They can bid higher and thus win the auction, but they can't cause the auctioneer to do different than the auctioneer's code, or they can't, like Enron did in electricity auctions, they can't secretly slip a bid in after the fact, just before the, you know, retroactively just before the auction closes, because there, no one is in a position to compromise the execution of that smart contract, of that auction. And so, and so blockchains bring a level of integrity to execution of software that simply did not exist prior to blockchain. And there is nothing like it in the world. You cannot get it in any other medium. And, the, you know, and, and, and that's the enormous value that will, that, and the enormous impact that blockchain will have on our software and on the human condition is the fact that we now can have such substrates of high integrity execution, right? It's easy to think we had it before, you know, as long as you trust Apple, right? But if you're Samsung, maybe you're not going to put your business, you know, information there. And when you start looking at, 
you know, worldwide spectrum auctions or carbon credits um, uh, 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 sales infrastructure where, you know, no, there's no one, you know, walled garden. There's no one government or multinational conglomerate or whatever that people are going to going to want to rely on for some of these critical broad spectrum economic activities. You want to be able to have code we agree on execute in a high integrity platform that nobody can cheat. And, you know, that's what blockchain enables us to do. Thank you. Thank you so much for breaking all that down. But um, how does all this like really relate oh, to Agoragon? Right. And um, yeah, what is the goal of the platform? Okay, so first let me take it back to your validator question. So, sorry, um, in the pre-blockchain case, of course, we still had smart contracts. You just ran all your choices of who won the auction were being done by eBay or some other, or Christie's or whatever the auction site is. And you just had to, you know, the buyer and seller had to trust them. And so much of our smart contract work was around managing how much you actually had to trust these other parties and make sure you're trusting them for no more than you expect. And you've got audit mechanisms and all that sort of thing. And so there's a bunch of that that blockchain simplifies. And that's great, right? Um, validators, in the case of proof of stake networks, are the parties, are the multiple machines spread across jurisdictions and geographies and data centers and all that. They're the multiple machines that are coming to consensus about what happened about the programs running on the blockchain. So 100 machines will wake up and go, huh, I see a bid and I see someone withdrawing and I see the auction supposed to close. I propose that the auction closed and Dean wins. Who's in? Right. And then 100 machines go, yeah, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. All right. All right. We agree. Dean won the auction. Here's your stuff. And now we're done. Right. You know, these machines came to agreement. All of us essentially agreed to to rely on the blockchain for that. Um, no one's in a position to have changed the behavior there. And if someone took their machine and caused it to cheat to say Dean got his money back, well, they're voted off the island. Right. I mean, you know, they, they're, you know, they're just outvoted by the by the the 99 machines that didn't cheat. Um, and that's the power that blockchain brings. And so, you know, so, so, so that's the core of being able to run in consensus smart contracts. So what Agoric brings is we're using, you know, battle-tested proof of stake from uh, Cosmos, which is the, you know, the, what, 10 billion plus uh, or more when you start roping in things like Poly Network that are all built on the Cosmos stake. Um, but, you know, it's, it's proof of stake network. So it's lots of machines, you know, 100, 100, 150, whatever it is, machines voting to agree on what happened. And what they're running on top of that consensus in the Agoric platform is smart contracts. So, you know, an auction, um, you know, a DAO, an NFT minting platform, you know, loan options, all these kinds of things. Smart contracts written in this hardened JavaScript, right? Written in a JavaScript that millions of developers can understand. And so that means that, you know, other platforms where you're writing in a, in a language, I mean, Solidity is great. It's got lots of examples. We spent $9 billion in, in losses, battle testing some core things like Uniswap and others and MakerDAO and so forth. And so, you know, they're going to survive. They've got lots of assets. That's great but it's dangerous to innovate because of security hazards. And, you know, last estimate I saw was there's like 6,000 developers that can do a credible job of building the next innovation. 6,000 developers, right? You know what, I was in Medellin in, in, in Colombia, right? If you saw that talk, in Medellin alone, there are 14,000 lawyers, right? There, you know, 
right? This one city has more <laughs> lawyers than there are solidity developers in the world, right? So does Denver, so does Los Angeles, so does, you know, any big town, you know, you're, you're, if you want a contract, you're better off going to a lawyer, right? And that's not great. That's not how we're going to get smart contracts to enable easy decentralized cooperation in all the areas of activity that, that humans engage in. In order to do that, we need to enable lots of other developers. And that means meet them where they're at, enable them to write smart contracts in a language they understand. And so hence, Agoric is enable them to write smart contracts in JavaScript. And not just in a language, but also with the patterns and toolkits and framework style that they understand. So you know, we write in JavaScript, we also have a framework that makes it easy to share and reuse and create components for other people to use and put them together into richer and richer applications. Where, where, so where do the hardened JavaScripts come into play with all this? Um, ah. Relating to Agoric, relating to Agoric. Sure, yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, JavaScript as sort of this base scripting language usable for a bunch of things, it is, um, uh, it is very malleable. Right, I can, and, and that has been important for the evolution of JavaScript, where there might be a proposal in committee to add three functions to array, you know, to what it means to be an array. So now I can do array dot for each to walk through every element of an array and do something with them, right? Or, or I can, you know, well, yeah. So, so if every element of an array is the name of a city, then for every element, I want to look up in a database of the population and then display a graph. And that's lovely and great. Someone had that brilliant idea, and we had to add for each. To, to, to array in JavaScript. But before every browser rolled out this addition to array, early browsers could add it. But if I wanted to use this feature, I would just go ahead and say, here's what the for each is defined as. Let me just add it to array in my program. And so now if you used my program, or if you took my component and, and you were building a program and you took my library and ran it as part of your program, suddenly the array that you're using, this you know, list of you know, three cities, suddenly it has this extra operation on it, which is for each. So that's great. It allows you to grow the system. It allows you to extend the system and so forth. But it also allows a malicious library to come along and say, huh, array for each, instead of just walking through each of the elements of the array in order to do the thing the programmer wanted, I will first look in the file system, find his public key files or his you know, private key file, send it to another country, and only then will I iterate through every element in his, in, in, you know, uh, in his address book to, to show the, the, the population or whatever it is, right? And so that ability to you know, take print string that shows a string and turn it into, you know, grab my password file and send it to another country and then show the string, not a good idea, but the malleability that let you rapidly adapt JavaScript to all these purposes created that hole. What hardened JavaScript does, you know, and that's an example, and there's only a few, but there's they're, but they're critical. What hardened JavaScript does is it locks that locks that down, so that what it means to be array in hardened JavaScript is the thing that's defined in the spec. And I'm sorry, once the system is hardened, you can't change that, which means you can't add for each, which Turns out was a bad habit people had in the early days of JavaScript, and then they realized that that was bad, and they don't do that much anymore. Right? Um, and so good programs don't run into this. But not only can't you add for each, you also can't change print string to steal your secret, send it to another country, and then print the string. Because what it means to be print string is defined right here, and it is the implementation thing, and no, I'm sorry, you can't change it. And frankly, 
no credible program that anyone needs to run needs to change it. And so it's hardened JavaScript locks these things down, but it has almost no impact on correct programs. It merely completely cuts the legs out from under programs that are trying to cheat on that. And so that's hardened JavaScript. All of our smart contracts are in hardened JavaScript because what you need is to be able to know what's running and you need other people's contracts to run on the system to not be able to cheat on what the language means. But you know, so that's the first reason, and that just makes life easier in a whole bunch of ways. But it also turns out that it's much better for building a framework and the power of JavaScript that has really helped it take over the world is how powerful you can make a framework in JavaScript. And you know, other systems really, for architectural reasons, can't compete with that. So there are people that build stuff for Solidity or for Rust or for or whatever, but the architect, you know, the object-oriented architecture really has come into its own, and frameworks like React and Vue, you know, for our, you know, for doing user interfaces or or you know, frameworks for doing database systems, they really give people an enormous leg up and power to be able to not just rapidly build user interfaces, but in the case of React and Vue, they it, they enable you to produce components and or use components from third parties, so you can rapidly build user interfaces out of components that you could not have built, right? An artist could grab a slideshow component that they could not build and grab a credit card component and put them together. And now they can deploy a new website, a new art sales application using components that, that, they, that they never understood, but it works. They work together well, they work together securely, and they work together because of the architecture of JavaScript and the architecture of those frameworks. And so we do the same kind of thing for you know, exchange and escrow and, and, and key elements you need for for smart contract businesses and DeFi and governance and all that, it's almost like uh, it's almost like building Legos, right? You mm. get instructions and the Lego goes here. Exactly. That's how you start building the, exactly. the piece. Yeah. yeah, people talk about DeFi Legos in these other systems, but they're just not. They just those languages are unable to handle the kind of composition you really want. And you know, in our model and our framework, you know, they really are. Here's the API, and it plugs together this way. It's just like the plugs on your Lego blocks. And so we have DeFi Legos, we have NFT Legos, we have governance Legos. And if you're building a new contract, if your governance is the same kind of thing as some other contract, including the ones that we're building as the low-level primitives in the infrastructure, those are all components that you can reuse. And so you don't need to build another voting thing. You know, you can use one that was built by someone who was an expert in voting and just, you know, parameterize it and you're good to go. So we heard a lot of pros. Uh, to using JavaScript, but are there any cons out there? <laughs> well, one of the cons is people question. claiming they're JavaScript when they're not. No, um, so what are the cons? Um, <laughs> well, I mean, the biggest one is we're just barely getting out there. So we'll have our first release next, you know, next week. That will be the JavaScript engine, you know, with with all the pieces we need to launch our very first use case, which is in the interstable token, which we can also talk about. But it's not yet unlocked so that people can deploy their stuff. Now there are folks who have built applications on on Agoric um, in order to you know preparing for the fully unlocked mainnet that will be coming later, and they're you know committed to launching there. Um, uh, uh, but you know, and so people can start building now. But it's not yet out there. Um, you know, there are enhancements we'll be doing to for performance. Depending on your application, the performance now might be fine. Or you might need the next order of magnitude performance, which we know will, which we know how to do, and future releases will include, right? So, so I mean, I, I would think that that's the main thing is is 
we're just at the early stages of, you know, DevRel support. Um, there are people who, you know, last week, um, we have bounties. Every, you know, we, we always have a rolling set of five bounties for people to start from. And people have started applications just, you know, by grabbing the bounties and building them. So we had a new bounty for um, voting on multiple choice, right? Most of these voting systems, you can only say yes or no. And we want to be able to do multiple choice ballots, right? So we have a bounty for that to add the DeFi Lego, which is my ballot is multiple choice. So we, and, and every week we have office hours. So if you're a developer, you should totally show up at office hours, which is, you know, another one of these, another, I think it might be in discord audio because that way they, they can share screens and do, do various things. But that's for developers to talk about the smart contracts they're building and the components they need and that sort of stuff. So we have this office hour to talk about this new bounty and someone we never met shows up and says, so this voting thing, how does this look? And they pop up the code of having implemented it. And they implemented this voting thing, you know, and it, it uses the, the, the enhancements for offer safety, as we call it, which, which is an interesting uh, uh, feature of our system. You know, it had governance, it had, you know, sort of, it had all the elements we were looking for in this thing. And we'd never talked to this person. It's like, you know, so, so Dan Connolly, who runs these, um, these uh, uh, developer salons, right? Um, he's like, so how did you do this? How did you know to do this? What, you know, this is amazing. What happened? It's just like, no, it's just JavaScript. <laughs> so, so we're very early in our support, but it is the case that it is just JavaScript and people can pick it up now already, right? It's a JavaScript and a JavaScript framework. Um, uh, but, you know, come six months from now, wow, it's going to be a lot easier. And, and, you know, every, every month there will be more components that someone in the ecosystem built and contributed for you to build the next thing on top of. And so, um, so, you know, so, uh, any any exponential starts a little bit slow, but but um, you know join now before the ride gets wild. <laughs> you heard it. You heard that. Um, so how does uh, Agoric handle its privacy and security? I think that's a really important topic that we should um, get to. Yeah. So architecture. So first off, our very first investor was Zcash, right? So we care a lot about privacy in general, but we know that we're not the experts at the zero knowledge magic that is uh, that 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 will provide the real privacy uh, going forward. But we've worked with them and and supported you know their efforts to think about how do they bridge that technology over the cosmos ecosystem? how do you know they they've been driving you know and sponsoring and enabling lots of other people to um, to build zero knowledge technology. Um, and several of those are in the Cosmos ecosystem, several of them we work with and so forth. So eventually, we certainly expect to get good interoperation with systems where the assets are in shielded pools, but they come over and they trade in a public market. Um, you know, I can, I can have a private account that I pull some money from and go to the swap meet where everyone can see what I bought, right? But no one cares because I'm a total stranger and no one can tell who I am, right? You know, and, and then go back to my shielded pool. So there's some good ways to interoperate with that technology. Um, more generally, the other the other element is the model. You know, our model of software in general is islands of simple synchronous programming, um, uh, synchronous you know robust uh, persistent programming, in a sea of asynchronous communication. And so that was the inspiration of loosely coupled islands of computation that inspired uh, IBC. But it's also a big part of our technology stack. So smart contracts are always communicating asynchronously. And so it's very easy to imagine a world where there's multiple agorics with different levels of privacy that are all communicating asynchronously with each other. Um, and 
the smart contract code isn't any different. It's just a slightly different latency to ask for a deposit into a bank account that's on a different uh, different chain running the same model than one than one that's local. And so that lets us do private chains and consortium chains and that sort of thing, running a uniform distributed computational model with different levels of performance and security and risk and so forth for different purposes. And so that's that turns out to be very powerful for the level of privacy that you need for large scale commerce and business, right? You know, that bill of lading information for delivery of cargo, which is a, you know, $100, $900 billion industry in the US, that if you could get that to be on a blockchain, it would substantially improve that industry. That data needs to be private, but it's not, you know, it's, it's available to all the delivery companies that are shipping it and it's available to people that are tracking, but you want some level of privacy for it, sort of for, for this business critical stuff. And we can do that in our, in our, in our current architecture. But rolling out the door, you know, it is a public blockchain with, you know, fully transparent audited ledgers. And so the focus is on integrity and the privacy, technolo privacy technologies are a little down the road. I'm sorry that we skipped, uh, like, uh, a big part of what Agoric <laughs> is because I, I, I was going to get to, like, how many validators mm. are um, active and all that good stuff. So you mind just walking us through that? Oh, I would just quick. say go to an explorer and find out because it may change with governance. But we have 100 validators. They've been awesome. Many of them. Many of them were through four rounds of our of our you know test nets as we rolled out different performance profiles and metering technologies and stuff like that uh, for JavaScript. Um, but but yeah, we're really proud of our validators. They're currently you know they're currently reviewing the 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 release for next week and 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 we'll be setting up you know additional test nets and several of them are on our current multiple rounds of test nets and stuff like that. So yeah, we've got a great validator community. Um, I think we should hit on the one of the core elements of the release next week, which is IST and the interstable token. Yes, please, please. <laughs> okay. So, you know, we knew that we wanted to enable, you know, fintech developers, mainstream developers, you know, all the people that are innovating in sports and fan sites, you know, the actual intera interaction with users, they're all programming in JavaScript. We wanted to enable them to build stuff. But to do that, they've got to be able to build fast and earn fast. They've got to be able to deploy and get, get stuff running. And to us, that meant they had to be able to deploy in an active working economy. And, you know, thousands of years ago, we discovered that having a stable token to kind of glue the economy together, to provide the grease for the gears of commerce, if you will, that was actually a good thing. We called it currency or money or potloos or whatever it is. But that's really the backbone of a modern economy. And it's really an afterthought on most of the existing uh, blockchains out there, right? Um, so, um, uh, uh, so, so, so we knew that was an intrinsic part of, of, of what we needed to roll out for Agoric so that people can, you know, build and deploy components and smart contracts in a sound and stable, you know, environment and economy. Um, but it was only like la the Cosmoverse last year where we were telling people about that, which we were really excited about it. And they go, oh my gosh, a stable token backed by Adam, we desperately need that, when can you ship, right? Like, oh, well, all right. Our first release, which was intended to be kind of the starting to lay the ground for the Agoric economy, turns out it lays a pretty big backbone for the entire interchain ecosystem. The interchain ecosystem needs a stable token that can be powered by all these different assets that's extensible as new mechanics for uh, stable tokens are invented, that are robust, that are tested, that are analyzed. 
um, that can be administered by decentralized folks from multiple chains and multiple expertises and so forth. And so, you know, this thing that we were building to start the agoric economy, man, it's just perfect for the interchain economy and the, the cross-chain DeFi economy needs a token that can be backed by the assets of the interchain. So that's so there are multiple releases of that, multiple slices of it to be able to mint um, IST based on different kinds of assets and algorithms. And the, you know, the decision of the folks sort of across the chain uh, involved in IST was let's roll out um, the earliest version we can to be able to um, ha- you know, start with stability, right? Start with something that's got a good, strong you know, peg to the dollar and then add leverage on top of all the, the, the interchain assets. So we're rolling that out next week. So what, what will come out next week, you know, assuming this is what the validators and, 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 and build uh, stakers approve and agree on and, and, and so forth. But, but you know, the, the stuff that is under discussion is the, um, uh, uh, the subset of IST or the, the initial um, uh, launch of IST for minting against other stable tokens, a refer- what I refer to as sort of reference stable tokens, USDC, USDT, um, you know, uh, um, and potentially others like Paxos or, or what have you. And the key there is because of the architecture of Cosmos, you don't get USDC or USDT. You get USDC over Gravity, USDC over over, over Axelar, USDT from Injective, USDT from, from OKX. Oh, USDT over Gravity over Axelar. You know, so you end up with, you know, you could end up with 20 different dollar pegged assets with incredibly fractionated liquidity. And that's a problem, right? You know, that's not the place you want to start to be doing interchain commerce and interchain interoperation. And so we will, you know, and obviously stable swaps will will not only allow them to be traded, but make that an important DeFi opportunity in the Cosmos ecosystem. But again, that's not something that if you're trying to buy an NFT, you don't want to have to care, right? Um, and so the initial ISD is designed where we can consolidate those different um, paths and assets that are all approximately a dollar, absorb those differences with some, you know, minting limits to make sure that it is a risk managed portfolio of these things driving um, IST, and then mint one to one from, you know, some amount of USDC over gravity over Axelar, some amount of USDT over Axelar over, you know, injective, what have you, um, into IST that's available across all these different um, uh, 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 zones in Cosmos. And so, you know, this first phase is get it out there, enable people to reliably be able to create it, get it integrated with all these chains so it's available. And then, you know, the other innovations that have already been, you know, through testing, through analysis, and, you know, now they're, you know, getting additions or polishing or what have you, those will gradually roll out over time to enable minting against Atom, minting against Osmo, minting against, um, you know, liquid staking tokens, all these kinds of things that, that we know we want. Um, but we need to do carefully and responsibly so that we provide a really robust um, interchain economy for you know the next future uh, um, uh, uh, um, phase of DeFi in, in the cryptoverse. Okay, so just a little confused here because okay, good. Um, <laughs> on di- yeah, on different chains, like for example, Juno, right? Yeah, you're uh, you're playing around in a, a DApp on Juno. You're going to pay the gas fees with Juno, but on Agoric, you're using the IST token to pay gas fees. Is that how it works? That is correct. That on Agoric, you're going to pay gas fees in, in IST. Now on Juno, oh. 
you might be paying some Juno to pay the gas fees for 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 you know purchasing an NFT, and you could purchase the NFT with ISD because that vendor you know they want they they want something that's 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 you know more directly uh, uh, you know valued at a dollar because they're comparing you know selling a physical asset they've got a store you know they're slightly more na- mainstream they've got a store with physical paintings that they're selling the physical printing of right or the limited run print edition and they're doing an nft of it you know do i really want to use five currencies in my store or can i use dollars right you know and having it be ist that's that that's parity with a dollar that makes it easy for them to compare the value of their nft versus the physical print mm, okay so the BLD token, right? That's yep. only going to be used primarily for governance, correct? Yeah, BLD is our staking token. So it's the Agoric staking gotcha. token. It is used for governance. It is used for staking. You know, that's probably primarily what it's used. And you also need some in order to create an account, a wallet on Agoric. You only need a little, you know, right now. You only need a little, but you need some. Um, that's part of why, you know, Build is available in, you know, Quobi and Cos and Osmosis and Crescent and so forth, Coinless, um, but 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 that gets you the ability to have a wallet so that you can do UST to ISD conversions. But plenty of people will be using ISD without ever touching Agora, right? They'll be able to just be on Juno and get some ISD and use it to buy this NFT or be on you know bring it over to Osmosis and you know put it in a curve there or whatever it is that 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 they want to do with a financial, you know, with, you know, with, in an economy, they can do, and, and, and as I said, the grease for the gears of, of, of the economy are the stable token that you can easily use in all these places. Um, and, and so that's, that's the, you know, that's the goal for, for ISD. All right. So I, I got all the time in the world for you, man. <laughs> uh, I can listen to you all day, but uh, how are you doing with time? Are you, are I'm you okay? Or... okay? Um, I have another 20 minutes. How's that? Okay. All right. I might have to cut my questions short to bring up some more people up here because I know there's <laughs> okay. been a few people requesting to speak. Sure. So, um, how will how will Agoric attract new developers to build on Agoric? Uh, so, I mean, the the way the way we've been doing it right now. I mean, so the answer is we have uh, there are several answers to that, and these can run uh, concurrently. I mean, for the broad JavaScript community, you know, once that documentation is complete, there are playbooks for how you how you um, get the broad JavaScript community of gazillion developers to notice and use a framework. And so we'll be, you know, running some of those playbooks, but, but, you know, we have already seen with the, you know, these five folks that are built, that, that are built apps to run on Agoric mainnet once, once it's out or, you know, Agoric JavaScript platform once it's out that, that they built those starting from bounties or four out of the five of them did. And all of them started from some component some, you know, at least one or more of the the components in our, you know, Zoe JavaScript smart contract framework that was some element of, of the application they built. And then they built more components and contributed them back. So we can already see the same virtuous cycle that helped React take off. We can already see that that works with our framework and with our components. And so we will certainly promote that. We will continue with bounties that are really intended to be, you know, seeds to get people going and launching some some new fundamental capability in the space um we will be you know we will start we, we've already hosted hackathons we will have more of those and you know and be launching sort of the, uh, some of the more familiar kinds of things there but 
when IST is rolling out, I mean, there's also the difference of here's the component that's already being used for IST. There's already a liquidation market. If you're doing a new thing that needs liquidation, well, you can just use this component as the part of the service that does that. And now you can fo focus on the part that's special for you. And so there's definitely likely to be some folks that, are, you know, that, that, that having elements of it already there and usable, like, you know, the people who did a compound-like lending platform for Agoric, they used the liquidation component and some of the governance components so they didn't have to reproduce those. And, you know, that's already appealing to developers. Um, but now being able to do it with stuff that's getting battle tested and has money flowing through it, that's, you know, that's a whole different level of assurance and reliability and that sort of thing. So. <laughs> Awesome, awesome. So yes, right now is the perfect time for people to come up here and request to speak. Um, if, if not, I mean, I will just continue with my questions. What <laughs> mainstream applications would you love to see built on Agora, Dean? Ah, uh, let's see. Um, so, uh, okay, there, there's, there's, um, what would I love? And then there's, you know, what are the verticals we might go after? Whatever. I'm not going to speak to the latter at all. Um, so, so, um. Uh, I would write NFTs are interesting because you've got the high flying, high profile, high value sales stuff that are relatively simple. But then you've got the, you know, back to that real core value there of of having something that represents, you know, your participation or represents your membership or engagement that that, you know, as soon as you want to combine. Um, uh, uh, third-party extensibility of any ecosystem, like, you know, fan clubs want to be able to add new features for their members different from some other fan clubs for the same band, right? Third-party extensibility plus rights that are transferred that people value, like access to the a chat room with the, with the musicians or, you know, direct pictures taken and signed by the, 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 um, uh, the athlete or whatever it is. You know, as soon as you add third-party extensibility and something of value, you got to have blockchain to do it. All of those engagements are being built by JavaScript programmers. I want to enable those people to also implement the new property, the new kinds of property rights that they are creating with these concepts. I want to enable them to do that. And I'd like to see that virtuous cycle start because that's where you see now people do, you know, I mean... Yep, it's great that 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 places like that, that there are places that will let you resell tickets to major concerts and sports events. But you know, I want to be able to resell the high school tickets and the you know church concert tickets and you know and and smaller events. You know, so that you know people can opt into cooperation with strangers on a smaller scale, and that just gets us a more cooperative world. And so you know, that's a lot of what 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 enabling the rapid you know, development of the stuff does for us. And I want to see some of that develop. Awesome. Love to hear it. I do have a question from a um, community member. He said, um, are you familiar uh, Are you familiar with LISC? Uh, it's a project that yes. started back in 2018. Yep. Um, their whole mission was to bring more developers to the ecosystem. Um, and he said, so basically, <laughs> why will Agoric make it work over this okay. blockchain? Yeah. So Lisp was trying to do JavaScript smart contracts. Um, so there, there are two or three significant differences there that 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 are, that are critical here. First off, um, they did not have hardened JavaScript. 
you know, hardened JavaScript is, you know, because we hadn't built it yet. And we're, we've been in the standards committee for, you know, uh, for, you know, 15 years for, 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 for Mark and not as long for the rest of us, but several people have been there driving the key features in that both allow deterministic execution, which is critical to robust execution of this stuff, and the lockdown that Harden uh, that Harden enables, and you need both, and they had neither. If you don't have non if you don't have deterministic execution, running the same thing on multiple computers can end up with different answers. And you know, and that plagued Lisk. It plagued the attempt to integrate JavaScript into uh, Hyperledger. You know, it 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 has. There are slightly different but similar issues with how um, uh, folks like Near are taking. You know a JavaScript interpreter and compiling it down to Cosmwasm, you know, and those kinds of things. And so, so it's one of those things where, no, no, you really need a particular set of things to work all together, which, you know, it's, we didn't stumble upon this. It took years of trying and building and testing, over, you know, pre-blockchain to figure out what those were and then get them into the language. Now they're there and other people could use them, but they didn't have them. Um, the second is, it's not just the language, it's the framework, right? You know, the language was great, but but it was, you know, and JavaScript was there for years and years, you know, 10 years before things like, as I said, I use React as my example all the time, came out. And, you know, six months after React came out, because of the framework that they were able to build because of JavaScript, but you needed the framework, because of the framework, amateurs could do more responsive, more reactive, adaptable, animated, incrementally loading applications than experts could the year before because the framework empowered them to do so, because the framework enabled them to use components, rich components that third parties had built. You know, before React, it was an expert job to do, quote, infinite scroll, where you could keep scrolling and load up new images as you went. And, you know, there were people that have versions of this where you'd infinite scroll and then, oh, your browser crashed because it ran out of memory, right? And then, you know, once I get a infinite scroll thing component from React, I'm done. I don't need to understand it. I just plug it in. I give a function of how to load stuff. And now I've got infinite scroll of pictures or calendar events or shopping carts or whatever the heck it is. And it just works, right? That's something that they didn't have. That's a key element of what we've built um, that really, really makes a difference. Okay, I think that kind of answers the, the next question. But uh, another committee member was just asking, so is Agoric basically like an SDK for JavaScript to run your own blockchain, kind of like the Cosmos SDK? Right, no, we are a layer one blockchain implemented on Cos implemented on 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 Cosmos SDK and 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 Tendermint. Um, we you know design for IBC you know interchain first so it's easy to write smart contracts that orchestrate behavior across multiple blockchains using for example interchain accounts. But um, but we have you know there there are key execution differences like paying for gas in a stable token that is implemented itself in JavaScript, like paying rewards based on the, um, the, the, the fees generated by the economic infrastructure instead of on, in the future staking rewards. Eventually, we'll be doing more like um, moving towards epoch staking because that's a better fit for several economic institutions you'd like to build on staking. Um, and so, and so, that, so it is a native blockchain. Now, there are many pieces of our technology that are reusable in other circumstances. I mean, even to the extent that the next generation of MetaMask wallet um, is, uh, you know, uses um, our hardened JavaScript in order to make an extensible environment for wallets. 
Um, and so, you know, so, so there are key elements of technology that are available and eventually there might be, you know, components of the execution engine that are available or ported over to other chains, but it is a sovereign layer one blockchain where the intent is you like with Ethereum or Solana or something like that, you take your contract, you write it in JavaScript in this case, using, you know, Visual Studio, the number one development environment and standard testing practices and all that, you push a button and it gets deployed onto the chain and you can run it there. Thank you, Dean. Thank you very much. Um, Grits. Welcome, Grits. How are you? Hey, pretty good. Just working. Um, Hello, Grits. Hey, how's it going? Uh, I had a couple of questions. Um, my my husband's actually a Mern stack developer. He finished a boot camp a while ago and got a job. And I actually do JavaScript stuff. And I was uh -huh. wondering if you guys got any resources for somebody that's basically never written a smart contract before. Like I built, like we built a couple apps. Like I got my, you know, the uh, portfolio manager thing going and we just finished with the Cosmos Spaces bot. So uh -huh. I, we're probably interested in, it's good timing. You know what I mean? Yes. Like next week. So I was figuring, you know, I'd like to ask you if you got any resources that you could throw me. Absolutely. So, or, you know, absolutely. You're perfect. <laughs> you know, we we will win not because we 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 recruit people um, from existing Cosmos efforts, but because we recruit people from you know uh, uh, from not in the cryptoverse yet, or 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 that that are that have not done it before. And you know, and frankly, if you've done things like React, our stuff will be more familiar than if you've done things like Solidity, because it's not here's a low level address, you know. Uh, uh, write this crypto action. Okay, now do a sign. It's you know, oh, here's a payment object. Let me call dot you know purse dot deposit, and I get a receipt object, and I can put that receipt in my in my JavaScript table, and now I'm done. Right? <laughs> it just looks like JavaScript. Right? Um, yeah. So, yeah. agoric.com/slash/developers. I would absolutely start there. Um, that will point you to the documentation site that has APIs. It has instructions for grabbing the SDK and downloading. You can build and deploy locally. Um, you know, lots of our smart contracts are there as samples because, you know, our entire, our entire stack, all of our components are open source. Um, many of them, you can just, you know, someone was like, how do I debug this stuff? It's just like, you're in VS Code, right? Open the JavaScript debugger window and run the test. <laughs> it's just, just command, you know, it's just Ava, it's a standard JavaScript testing infrastructure, right? It just works, right? Um, and you can put breakpoints and step through them and stuff like that. So, so awesome. I would totally start there. You know, the intent is that site is meant for someone like you. <laughs> okay, cool. Cuz I'm I'm like sitting here I'm like what do I even build a smart contract for or to right. do? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So And so there's some examples, you know, uh, an example. So we have one of the toy examples, not toy, but demonstration examples proof of concept is a um, baseball card application. You know, baseball cards used to be the NFTs of the world, right? So we so we 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 did that as a demo because we're not trying to be the NFT business. We're trying to empower people to build an NFT business. And so this is one where you can just, you know, very, very simple application designed to be easy to understand that you that mints, you know, a thousand baseball cards, a thousand NFTs in, you know, two lines of JavaScript, right? And puts them up on a site to sell and then can sell those those baseball cards, right? And it interacts with the wallet and it does all these kinds of things. That's an example that you could customize for something else. Oh, I don't want to do, I don't want to generate a bunch of baseball cards up front. I want to use this algorithm to generate new generative art. And when someone wants to buy something, I will generate something for them to for, for them to buy custom. Yeah, that'd be an example. It'd be straightforward to plug it in. Um, huh. Like you know, Pokemon have, cards or something. I know exactly. a basic like you know tutorial is to build stuff with Pokemon cards out of the API. 
Exactly. My, my partner loves playing around with APIs. So, <laughs> well, he will love our APIs because it's like you know, it's like I can't believe this is blockchain. This is crazy. It looks like a React app. <laughs> it's like I just I just write a JavaScript fun- function and say this is what to this is the JavaScript function to run when the seller wants to sell a new NFT, and this is the JavaScript function to run when a bidder places a bid. And the argument comes in, and here's the amounts of the bid, and you stick it in a JavaScript collection, and when the auction closes, you sort the collection and take the first one, and that's the highest bidder. I'm done, right? <laughs> you know, it's all it's all pretty straightforward. You know, our um, IST rolling out the interstable token. That first contract is swap USDC or or USDT or Dai or Paxos or whatever it is, some particular denomination of token to mint new IST against. It's about 140 lines of JavaScript code that I could, you know, that I will eventually do a recorded walkthrough and it'd be straightforward for you to understand. And, you know, took a took a day to implement and, you know, three months to test and audit and all that sort of stuff. But it's real straightforward because it's just JavaScript. Awesome. That's perfect. Yeah. And shout out to Grits. Um, he, uh, like he was saying about the, the Cosmos Spaces uh, calendar. Mm-hmm. It's so cool because um, he, he literally makes it um, capture everybody that's, uh, Gonna host a space and it puts it on Google Calendar like automatically. It's, it's super cool to use. Yeah, we are, we actually made it so that I like I'm actually cataloging the entire Cosmos ecosystem for Spark IBC. They're building another website, so I'm like following every project. And basically, we take that whole like 2,000 follower list that I, that I've made, right? Mm-hmm. And all of those IDs, and then the API we go through the API, uh, IDs every 30 minutes and if anybody's running a spaces or scheduled one it'll pick it up and feed it into oh, the awesome computer. well we'll make sure you grab a Goric and and enter uh inter protocol <laughs> yeah yeah I'm checking it out probably after i'm done this car here <laughs> all right dean well i think uh right now would be an awesome time for us to wrap up with what's on the yep. roadmap what's ahead on the roadmap and yeah where where can people more find more information about you guys Anything else that maybe I might have missed uh, during this space? Well, of course, if you're a validator, then make darn sure you're you're in the validator channel because the votes are happening, you know, and and you guys have to decide uh, on launching the the release that that is imminent. We expect a release uh, uh, vote to happen, you know, in the next uh, day or two and a release to happen late next week. So, you know, that will be, I mean, it's been four years or 30 years, depending on how you count in the making to have a platform that allows, you know, such an easy to program thing to do smart contracts. So we're really excited about that. Um, If you're a developer, join Discord and check out the developer page because, you know, we've got, you know, we'll be refreshing them and expanding them and so forth. But, you know, the model of our smart contracts, you know, you can start to learn now, you can start to build things now and people have produced some pretty awesome stuff. Check out the bounties because one may be well-suited and if there and if there's one there that's like, yeah, it's not quite right. I'd really like to do this other thing. Propose it. We're happy to to plant the seeds for new components that other people can use. Um, and uh, you know, and if you're a zone, then um, you know, IST is a coming. Figure out how you can use, uh, you know, sort of a marquee stablecoin that's that is there a stable token that is the same thing that would be available across other zones. How you can integrate that nicely into your zone and your application, so that so that you know it's it's a lot more like people are moving among stores in the mall or across a nice downtown with lots of shops than it is you know 
flying to another country and speaking another language and using a different currency every time you want to change um, who you're talking to. So, so you know that 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 um, getting IST everywhere and used for you know, used at least as an option for everything is just going to be a a big you know rising tide that will lift all our boats. And so, um, so that's something that everyone should do. And that's on. Oh, I should add that's on inter.trade is the place to start for IST. I n t e r i n t e r dot trade. Thank you. And I also pinned uh, the Twitter oh, profile awesome. up here to the top so people can just click on the profile and follow it. And also the Agoric uh, main Twitter page is up here as well. But Excellent. Dean, thank you so much. It was my pleasure, man, to host a space for you. And uh, you got the best mustache in Cosmos. Don't let Greg, <laughs> don't let Greg bully you, okay, dude? <laughs> thank you so much. I agree. You guys thank you so me. Thank much. you all for listening. It was great. Awesome. Everybody have a great day, great night. Um, make sure to follow Cosmos Spaces. Stay updated with all of our updates in our upcoming spaces. And yes, have a great day. Peace out. Ciao. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was Cosmos Spaces, AMA with Agoric and Dean Tribble, hosted by Lil Gaines. Recorded on Friday, October 21st, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. And if you want to keep listening... Head on over to terraspaces.org slash donate and show some support. Put your hands up like you got a couple questions. Ain't no misdirection, just a bunch of flexing. I'll aggressive, insane from all directions. Smoke blows in when I start a session. Blink canvas, blaze up the handlers. Rocking back and forth like I got the van stuck. Don't grind the clutch, mind your hush. Put your mask on and don't touch the antlers. Feeling untouchable when I'm on the verse. But in the universe, I'm just writing some words. Enticing these nerds while I'm laying out my memoirs. Like, remember when I had to fight the centaur? I'm a book nerd, let me take you on the journey Lost in the labyrinth, searching out the lost fern For certain, got the taxes included Acting like a writer, never felt secluded Shit and line them up Just another fixed game of try my luck Go lighten up dog. it could always be worse Unless you're in the back of a hearse Then you're dead or putting in new speakers It's a toss up driver or just tweakers Don't stress yo, I've done the research Living life like a bunch of fucking lemurs It's a remake off the cutting floor We take a little bit of poison and put it in the cheesecake Tastes great, less filling Less stress, more killing As he blew the cornerstone out the building And the box came tumbling down all humble Feels like we're drowning in a little puddle Rebuttal, I should be taking off in the shuttle Getting high in space with the Hubble